Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. Hey guys, I'm here today with Lindsay Borchard of Lindsay Brook Design. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. So I was just saying to Lindsay that I feel like this is a real big get for me right now. And I'm sure people listening are following your Instagram. Uh, your Instagram's gorgeous. I want to hear, because I, I feel, how long have you been in business? I'm going to be approaching four years in the summer. Okay. So into the end of my third year that's amazing like absolutely amazing I'm I'm actually I was expecting you to say something crazy like a year so that I like cry and like cradle and rock myself back and forth in a corner so I am happy to hear it's not because like you are killing it you Thank have how you. Many Instagram followers do you have oh my gosh I think like 38,000 now how did you do that in such a short time well, let me say this. I started my Instagram probably a good year before I started my business. So, you know, it's been about like four, almost maybe four or five years. I mean, that's still significant. And it was sent before the algorithm. And, you know, so a lot has changed with yeah. Instagram. But I feel, I, you know, I wish I had like a, a secret answer. So many of my designer friends are like, how are you doing? I'm like, I don't even know. Like, I just try to post consistently and, um, you know, be real authentic and try not to be too salesy. You know, now we have, we outsource our marketing. Right. And, and is it the identity collective? Yes. So we've been using them for since July of last year. So, you know, a little over six months or so, 10 months or so. Um, but we're still really heavily involved. So like I approve everything and I change captions and like anything that is super important that, you know, I want to talk about, it is me writing it. It is me usually commenting it. They're kind of just like curating the feed now mm -hmm. and they're posting for me because I just don't have the time during the day to actually physically post anymore. And they're doing the hashtags and the geotags and they're finding, they're pushing us in the, in the areas in which we kind of want to be seen more. I don't really know too much about that stuff. So, yeah, totally um, fair. you know, she, she, they're just so good at what they do, but I will say that with talking with her that, you know, she's like, you're like a unicorn because no, you know, you're growing so fast. Like we grew so fast with her within the first six months. I think we doubled. I, when I started with her, I only had 15,000. I say only, but I'm just saying <laughs> I, I, myself, I myself had grown the account to like 15, 16,000. That's amazing. In, in like four years. But then she like did that in a matter of 10 months and then some. You know, so well, that, look, that's incredible, especially like with the new algorithm and whatever. It's all yeah, I mean, my brain. No, it's it's Instagram is silly to me, but it's such an important. It's silly, but it's also like I'm so thankful for it because one, I get most of my clients from it. Okay, and that's, two, that's a great. That's great. I want to talk more about that. 
yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. But I also like, you know, find these people that have become like my tribe now and, um, friends and people that are working in my business now through it. And so it's an incredible tool and yeah. people who are like, you know, Oh, I don't have time for Instagram or I don't, I hate social media because it's an energy sucker. Like I agree, but you have to be able to use it in the right way because it is, it, it, I mean, I wouldn't have my business the way it is without it. That's so, incredible. A lover. Hate, yeah. Well, congratulations on how, like what you've done to build it yourself and obviously knowing yeah. when to get external help in order to continue to get that growth. Yeah. So you say, um, you get, I, I have like so many questions for you today. So I'm like, <laughs> trying to get through all of it. Um, you were saying that you get like, you would say the majority of your clients through Instagram. I would say 75%. And when, when those clients are reaching out to you, are they literally DMing you or are they actually clicking your they're website? Both. They're DMing, they're going through the website. They're, I would say a lot are DMing, but then I kind of like route them to the website. I always say like either email me because I get a lot of DMs. So it's really hard to oh, yeah. keep track of all of that, you know? So I usually say like, you know, go, I'll, I'll answer a few questions, but when they're kind of getting into like, how much do you charge and what's the process like? And this and I'm like, you got to go through my website or like yes. just email me, you know? But yeah, I mean, it's either through Instagram. I would really say it's through Instagram, it's through our contractors and it's through referrals. Those are our main three revenues of clients. And okay. The Instagram client. Mm-hmm. In your experience, and maybe it's changed over time. So the people who are reaching out to you, would you say they are a, a decent budget client? Yeah. Or big, do you find it, uh, do you ever get like unreal? Our biggest client right now, the end that we have had to date as far as square footage amount is through Instagram. So yeah, I think what's really important and you might want to reach out to Anastasia to do a whole podcast with her because she, I reached out to her. You should put a little shout out to her in her DM right now. I will. Um, (laughs) She, you know, I have goals with her. And so when we first started, I was like, this is my goal. I, you know, really wanted to be at the end of the year. I really wanted to be at 20,000 followers or 25. And we hit that. And I really wanted to make sure that I was giving back to this community that gave to me. So that's when like we kind of started Monday Mentor. And then my new goal was like, okay, here are the target areas, you know, that I want to concentrate on. I want to concentrate on Malibu and I want to concentrate on the West side because in where we are at, it's, there's not in a lot of new builds. So everything's been built. Okay. Um, let me, let me go back. Now there is because of all the fires. So it's a different yeah. situation. But prior to the fires, there was nothing that we were building from the ground up. So it was a lot of remodel stuff. And the heavy, bigger remodels are more in Malibu area where there's just more land. Um, so I wanted to push out to that. And then so we decided, okay, we're going to push out to that. And I, our biggest client right now is in Brentwood and so whatever she's doing is working. I think a lot of it has to do in what she has told me is that hashtags, geotagging, um, 
things like that will get you to those areas. So um, I think that there is a science to Instagram. I don't really know what that is, so I'm really sorry about that. No, that's all good. I think that that is an important key to it. But when those people are getting to your feed, you have the opportunity to showcase your best work or what inspires you, what your style is. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people get into that. Well, I don't want to have this curated feed and I want it like I, you know, I, I hear from both sides of the fence with this of like, I just want to be, you know, throw up what I want and have no thought. I hate it when it looks so manicured, but at the same time, like you have to think of like when you are looking for a designer or you're looking for something, you know, a business profession, what are you looking for? You're, for me, I'm always looking for a really nice website that has information, has contact info. Um, I feel like as a designer, we are in a very intimate space with our clients. So trust is super important. So if they feel like they know me, and so many people have said, like, I already feel like I know you. So it's yeah. really easy for them to open their home to me. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. So getting the potential client to your feed is the first step, but then making sure that you are presenting yourself in a way that you want to be um, represented and, and branded is really important too. So I always felt like that's why I kept my business page very separate from my personal page because you know, I love my kids, but at the end of the day, no one cares about my kids yeah. in, in Instagram world. You know, I post a little bit about them, but they don't want to see images of my kids. They yeah. don't want to see, you know, images of everyone else's home, which is great, but they want to see what I can do. I mean, that's my business page. So I make yeah. it a priority. And from day one has always made it a priority to say, what do I want my business to portray to people? What do I want them to feel from it? And I made sure even before I had, had Anastasia work on it, it was very curated. And I made sure that even if I was posting other people's work, that it was my style yeah. and it was something that I felt a feeling for or that I was inspired by. And I made sure that the colorways and all of that went with the other photos in my feed. Um, and then I think... Just as far as captions, so many people are like, oh, I don't know what to say and I don't know what to, you know, like, and I know it is hard. And for me, I always felt like just trying to be as authentic as I can, talking, talking about the struggles of owning a business and being a mom and being pulled in different directions was really um, important for me because I needed, that was always something I was talking to my clients in the very early stages. I was like, listen, I'm a mom still part of the time and I'm doing this only part time. So it was the conversations I was having with my clients already. So I just decided to keep that going through Instagram because at that point that was part of the brand of what my business was. Yeah. And then that evolved a little bit. I stopped talking a little bit of that because I'm now more full time. I have more help, you know, yeah. so I wasn't struggling too much with it. But I still, you know, talking about the struggles, talking about business, I keep doing that because that's just part of my brand and part of what I love to do. So I think also if you are kind of struggling with captions, you can always try to find, especially if it's a 
photo that you, from, you know, your body of work, try to find like a story from that client without giving too much of maybe the client's, you know, personal history away. But you can say like, you know, the China cabinet that we used here was from your client's great grandma that passed down to her before she passed away. And it's the only piece or whatever it is, you know, find something that is interesting to talk about that makes you go, Oh, that's so cool that she incorporated it that way. And, you know, or this piece of art I found at a flea market while, you know, we were shopping for kids toys or whatever. And I bought it because I loved it. And now it's in this perfect state, like just little things that might connect to someone else who's looking for a designer. And it doesn't even need to be, you don't need to think so much about like, okay, I'm doing this to get the clients. Like, I don't think that way. I don't think like, it's a great tool to use because one, it's free, it's free marketing. And so we're in a visual business. So like this Pinterest, you have to think like those are going to be your best tools to find clients. So I just kind of feel like as much as, you know, it kind of sucks to come up with all those captions or to post every day. It's super important because that's where those people are. Yeah. So Um, you know, if you don't have time for it, try to find, you know, there's so many people, there's so many companies now that do this for a living, like Anastasia, where they help you curate images and you could do the caption or they'll do everything for you. You can find, and if it's, if you're too busy for it, this should be one of the top things that you are outsourcing. Totally. And actually Instagram was one of those things for me that I just felt more paralyzed with the images and what to yeah. do. And a friend of mine was like the preview app. It's a free app. And I just go through my portfolio and I see like a lot of the, the um, you know, the people I follow, like you, for example, there's a lot of just different angles of the same home repeated. Oh, yeah. People get really freaked out about repeating content, but it's like, not everybody. No, we repeat content. Yeah. We repeat content all the time. You have to think too, like if you're looking, if you find you know, let's say you've never followed me on Instagram. And so you go on my Instagram. I mean, how far down are you really going to be scrolling? Maybe, I don't know. What is a grid now? Nine? So maybe like four or five grids worth. You're talking 40 photos, maybe. I mean, no one's going to be going down to like three years ago. So not to say that you want to cycle through the things three years ago, but we do. Yeah. And it's good and it feels like a reflection of now. Yeah. you have to think too, like people who are following you, constantly following you, especially with the algorithm, if you're not commenting on somebody a lot and engaging with yeah. them, they're going to push that person down. So yeah. let's say me and you are following each other. And for this last week, I just haven't been on Instagram a lot. So I haven't been normally commenting on your stuff because I haven't been around. Well, they're going to push you further and further down. So I might maybe have missed all of last week's posts. Yeah. And so let's say next week when I go back onto Instagram more, you post an image of like a different angle of a sofa. Yeah. That's going to be completely new to me. Yeah. You know, so I think that um, recycling through images and we do a photo shoot, we do like wide shots, medium shots, tighter shots. We'll change up the vignette. So maybe like we'll change up the pillows or change up like the, the accessories to make it more you know, neutral and show how if you don't like color, you can do neutral. And how would that look like you have to 
utilize every second that you get with a photographer to get the content for your marketing, whether that be a blog post or for a newsletter or for Pinterest or for Instagram. You can recycle those things all the time. I mean, there's so many accounts that I follow even that are just from people's homes and they're literally posting. Like, I mean, I've seen the same image probably a hundred times. Yeah. You know? and, and I still love their Instagram. Like I think it looks. And, they still, and those people have so many followers. Oh yeah, like so many followers. <laughs> yeah. like, you know? Clearly, they're doing something right. That maybe we should. I think that's a that's a huge thing for people. Is like we might be sick of our content, but other people aren't. So we can absolutely wish yeah. them all. Yeah. So one thing I really want to talk to you about, um, and what kind of triggered. Uh, media reach out to you was in in one of the Facebook groups somebody had asked a question about styling and I had commented saying what my process was and mm-hmm. you know when you got on today you're like I just came back from an install and I'm like oh my god I couldn't talk to anybody after an install I'd be so exhausted now I'm <laughs> going to an install I haven't done it yet oh we okay okay but yeah. still regardless we did, we did an <laughs> yesterday and now I have a new one today. Oh my god, see that to me like gives me anxiety. But you <laughs> you had said like okay, you need to get your own inventory, uh do blah, blah, blah like you seem like you have a really great process and what I like about that like I see your interiors and I see how well curated they are because not all advice is created equal, which is really important for right. people like for me especially like I have high standards when it comes to styling and like, I'm not going to just listen to anybody's advice, but you, I'm going to listen to you because I see that you do a great, amazing job of styling. And if you're going to tell me a way to make it more efficient on something that I find to be so wildly exhausting, I am all freaking here. So, and you did, you did do a mentor session, like a mentor Monday thing about this recently, but let's get it on a podcast for us yeah. to listen to over and over again before it gets buried yeah. in, in Instagram. Exactly. Tell me all the things. Tell me your biggest wisdom on how to handle not just installation day, but specifically styling and, and making so it accessories is a big thing. People are always like, you know, yeah. how do you catalog accessories? Because there's so much of it, right? Let's just start at you have inventory, right? Because not everybody does. Yeah, I have inventory. Where do you house said inventory? Do you have a warehouse? I have a warehouse. Yeah, oh, right okay. now it's in my garage, which is our warehouse. Oh, okay. Well, I can I can get on board with that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we have a three car garage right now. We're still working out of the house. Okay. I have a feeling probably by the end of the year we'll be in an office space. We're going to start looking in the summer, um, mm-hmm. or an office slash warehouse space okay. because I do feel a little bit uncomfortable having all of this stuff in my garage. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, like, if, like when we are like packing for install, like I don't even like to have a garage fully up. So I'm like, I don't want anyone to see like what is in this garage. You know? There's a lot of money in here. There's a lot of money in here. It's easy to like swipe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, we're coming to that point where we're just like busting out of the home office scene. We have, you know, I have three employees now. So it's just getting to that time. But the business slowly, I will say, so we have a three-car garage and one of the sides was the business side. 
You know, I was like, I'm going to take this little side and slowly it started taking over, you know, the whole garage. Now, like I haven't parked in the garage and I don't even know how long the whole garage is just the business. So what I have found in the early days, you know, accessories, all of our clients wanted us to do the accessory part. And I, you know, there were some jobs that were, we were just doing like maybe a couple furnishing pieces, but we were coming in and accessorizing everything. Well, we were spending so many like days prior running around and finding things, going to different, you know, this was kind of before I started buying wholesale. Mm-hmm. And so we were, you know, going to Target, going to Pottery Barn. Well, I don't live in, I'm outside of Los Angeles. So like, we don't have a West Elm that's close to us. Okay. Um, I, we have like Target, Pottery Barn, Home Goods, um, Bed Bath and Beyond, World Market. We have some good stuff, but like, you know, it's it's what everyone who is not hiring a designer has in their home. And we were curating it and collected looks and in a different way. And when we would go to flea markets or when I would go, you know, down at my family's in San Diego. So when, if I would go to San Diego and find stuff down there, I'd bring it up and we'd use that. So it would feel different. But we were spending so much time prior yeah. buying all this stuff. Yeah. And then we were bringing it and we couldn't take tags off of anything until they approved because what if they didn't want it? And then we were stuck with it, which is kind of how my inventory started to be uh-huh. honest. Yeah. So there would be pieces that we would take the tags off of and we would want to show them this beautiful space. And then we would end up keeping them because maybe we didn't have, you know, that tag to put on. It was a sticker or whatever it may be. So that kind of started this inventory. Then we would be spending two days after yeah. everything. Yeah, I feel you. You're like speaking my... Yeah, language. it was awful. It didn't even make the like three hours of us styling the room even fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah no, you're right. I'm thinking, oh my God, I have to return all of this pottery barn stuff that I didn't just use, you know? And I, you know, was charging my clients for returns. And because from the very beginning in my business, I I always knew time is money. And so I am charging them. So many people are like, well, I I don't think I'm going to charge for that. It's like, why? Why are you not charging? This is a business, you know? And you're doing it so they don't have to. Right. There's a price to that. So we were charging, but then our clients were like, I I don't want to pay for two whole days of you returning stuff, you know? So Mm -hmm. it made sense when we started going to market and we started seeing all of these vendors have amazing accessories and seeing like, oh, that's where that designer bought that, that I loved so much, you know? Yeah. And I started thinking, well, I'm going to open up an account with a few of them and see if I can, you know, because the problem is is that, yeah, you do have to buy minimums of things. So you're not just buying one candlestick, you're buying four or six or sometimes even 12. Right. Um, And so you have to think of it like, okay, can I use that in another person's home in a different way so it doesn't look repeated? Yeah. I just found that um, we were doing the same thing with all the product that we were buying retail anyways. So yeah. when we were going to Target and part, we were, we were buying the same stuff, which yeah. is why sometimes I wouldn't even return it because I was like, I know that I'm going to use this eventually. Totally. You know? 
So we just kept it. And so I got, you know, some shelving units and put them in the garage and started just keeping things in there. So when we went to market, it was really when I was like, you know what, this, this is going to be a, a test. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just buy, I think I spent a thousand dollars. Okay. So, maybe 1500. I can't even remember. Not a ton. And I was like, I'm just going to get it in there and mix it in with the stuff that we would be buying retail okay, and see if people like it and see, you know, whatever, and if it works. Well, we got it, we unpacked it, and it was so nice to be able to just go into the, to the garage, pack it up. I mean, we packed it up in like a half hour, you know, it was like, (sighs) so good. And And we still, we marked it up and still gave our client a discount. So they won, we won. They're not, you know, it's not taking, it took us maybe an hour to unpack the stuff we didn't use. Yeah. I still charged my client that time. She didn't care. You know, you still save yourself so much more time. You still save so much more time. So then the next time I went to market, I ordered a little bit more and then I found another vendor. Oh, they carry books. I don't have to go to Barnes and Noble now and buy or, or have Amazon ship me a ton of books, you know, mm. so we did books and then, you know, people love their fake plants. And so I, as much as I want to push real plants, People are like, I don't want, you know, I don't want real plants or I, I don't want them. I don't want real succulents. Maybe I'll do like a real tree. And where are people buying plants? At home goods and they look like shit. Yeah. Nobody has really, really, sometimes you can find, a, you know, one good one. Well, yeah. we found, then we found a really great, you know, ex, uh, faux plant line. And we started doing that and selling that at wholesale. And those can get expensive. And yeah. sometimes, People didn't mind paying more than what they would pay at home goods because it looked better. And they know that, you know, no one's going to really find that anywhere. Yeah. So people were getting excited that not only their furniture was really curated, but the whole thing was really curated. And for us, it was really nice because now for installs, it's literally like, I have, you know, our, our um, office manager go, go in there or our assistant go in there and they pretty much just, we have a couple folding tables out there and we lay everything out and we pack it all up. And then we have big bins and we label everything we get. We can be really organized and it takes a day. You know, we did like a full, we did a full house, not a full house. It was all the downstairs first. And I think it took like six hours to pack everything up. And then it took maybe two hours to unpack because obviously you're coming back with less. Yeah. You know? So, Okay. Well, um, and the great thing is, is that you're making money. Often. Yeah. Well, that's the biggest thing is like you're, you're investing. Sure. And that's money out of your pocket, but it's also money back in and then some plus you're saving yourself the time and, and exhaustion. It's freaking mm-hmm. exhausting, which is the so biggest thing. And like, for me, you're telling me you did an installation yesterday and you're doing one today. Is it the same house? No. Okay. So like, that is not a thing I would normally do because I just find it. Well, let, me, let, me kind of, let me tell you, yesterday's install was just lighting. Okay. So it wasn't, oh, I see. it wasn't furnishing. We were just changing out all the lighting and we were installing a few uh, wall things. So yeah. like shelving stuff. So we were, we're prepping for our big furniture. So this is a 6,000 square foot house and we just need to get as much done prior to our furnishings and accessory install so that like we're not waiting on the electrician to change yeah. the 
right? So we can then go ahead and put the furniture in. So we didn't do really any accessories. I would never do back-to-back installs like this normally. Okay. <laughs> that, no, I would never do that. And then today's install is just an office space. So okay. it's really just furniture. And I have like three boxes of accessories. Okay. But accessories are mostly all faux plants and yep. books. And things that can be in an office and not, you know, so it's, it's manageable. And do you, um, but, sorry. Well, I was going to say what made it really easy is that even though today's install has accessories, we were still able to prep while we were packing up the van of all the lighting and stuff that we had for our install yesterday. I was able to then pull all of the things that we needed for today's install at the same time. So some, one person, you know, my assistant was doing the install prep for the other client and I was doing the install prep for, and we were in the same place. So when she had questions on things, I was right there. So it's efficiency. You're making more money. Your clients are actually saving more money because we don't give any discounts on retail purchases. So if we're going to buy something from Pottery Barn and get 20% off, we do not extend that to our client. But if we buy something wholesale, we share our discounts with our clients. So that's, I've been starting to think about doing yeah, that. How do you explain so, that to them? Can you tell me like what that I was? I explain it because uh, a couple of things. So I say normally don't source retail product. Okay. Do that because we spend, you know, for me, we go to market two to three times a year. So I spend thousands of dollars a year on my business to go find and curate furniture and items for our clients. So I don't source retail because I'm already spending the time and money trying to source things that people can't find retail. I also feel like if you are hiring a designer and you are furnishing your whole home, there's no point for me to go to a retail store when you can go to that retail store and have them design your house for free. So if you want all restoration hardware product, go to restoration hardware and use their free design service. Yeah. You know, um, the downfall to that is that they're going to sell you all restoration hardware. Yeah. You know, so for me, I, I tell them I'm not against, um, retail. I just say like, I want to try to make your home a little bit more collected looking. And if there is something that you love that you found from Pottery Barn, we will get it. I usually have them purchase it. Um, because I tell them, you know, we don't share our discounts. And the reason why we don't share our discounts is because there's usually more customer service issues that we handle with yeah. those companies than if we were to go through our reps and work with oh, our vendor. So it is that time we take, we have taken years to build relationships. And sometimes it has taken double the amount of time to have a really good relationship with a retail store because there's such high turnover, right? So like that manager who's on your side might not be there in three months, you know, but our reps, you know, you can build a great relationship with your rep within six months and, and get great customer service and have no issues. So we tell them, you know, we don't offer discounts if we're going to be purchasing the items for you. And if there is a public sale, you know, Pottery Barn going to have 40% off and you like that bed and we think that it will fit with the design, great, you buy it. Yeah. So that way when you want to return it and you don't like it or it comes broken, then they will deal with it. And, and we- when, when you're charging, um, 
So you're share like if you're let's say you were ordering retail and you're mm-hmm. not sh- sharing the discount and you are ordering trade. Are you billing uh, your hourly rate or however you bill for the time it takes to order or is part of the profit from those trade discounts uh, what's paying you for that time? No, we charge. um, So we basically have three ways of getting revenue with a client. One is going to be design hours. So anytime that we're doing a design, it's all hourly based. Um, we have tried the flat fee. It didn't work for us, but you know, we do give after we have an in-person consultation, we do give the client a scope of work and an estimate of how long based off of, you know, we have done a 3000 square foot home and this is how long it took, you know, on average, we kind of know how long it's going to take us for to design a living room versus a bathroom versus a kid's room. So we kind of already give them this large detailed scope of work prior to us even starting. So they have a general idea of how much our design hours will cost. Okay. And I think this also depends on a lot from them. So we give them homework to do. And if they don't do, you know, we set up a secret Pinterest board, which I'm sure, you know, so many designers do this yeah. and to get the idea of their style, what they like, what they don't like. If they're not pinning anything or they have like one or two images per room and we're trying to find out what their style is, but they're like, well, we don't really know. Sometimes it's much harder. It takes much longer because we're doing more revisions because we don't really know what they like. So they do, I always tell them, if you do your homework and try to really pin a lot of images and tell us what you like, what you don't like, the colors, patterns, things like that, that will save time. And then also how long it takes for you to make a decision. Yeah. You know, um, revisions, things like that. That is all time saving that our client can be in control of. And we let them know that in the beginning, because I think that's a sense of like safety for them. Like, okay, like I can control the hours that, you know, my designer puts in and that I'm always kind of, um, I'm very, when we're doing the design, I'm, I'm very careful about what I told them it would take versus reality. So if I say, you know, I told you this living room was going to take us 20 hours to design. But we decided halfway through that we wanted to do built-ins and we wanted to paint it and we were going to add lighting when there's no lighting. I'm going to tell them, okay, we're at 18 hours right now, but now you want me to design a built, a built, you know, built-in and we have to correspond with our electrician for lighting. It's going to be another five hours or so. So I'm very careful about making sure that my client always knows where we are at with that. So I'm not surprising them with a $6,000 bill at the end of the yeah. month. And you're like, well, I thought it was going to be 3000 you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's one way. So design hours, anything we're, anytime we're doing design, up until when they approve it. So let's, I'm going to use just like a living room for an example. Okay. So you're my client. We do a living room. Uh, we charge 20 hours and then we're, you know, appro- you, you have approved everything that you like. So from that point on, we, anytime that we're we're going now into like the ordering phase, right? So you're kind of done picking everything. Um, We've done our revisions, whatever it is. We stop charging hourly when we do ordering. So for, and we go to a flat fee. So I guess we are, we go to a flat percentage. Okay. Charge a flat percentage of their product invoice. So if they're going to spend $10,000 in product, 
we are going to charge a percentage and it's between eight and 10% depending on how much custom stuff we do because right. Writing up custom orders always takes 10 times. longer. So if it's stuff that we're just ordering through our reps and online and kind of the normal way, it's 8%. If it's more custom, it's 10, you know, sort of 10%. So we will then add 8% to that $10,000 and that covers ordering the product um, following up with our reps to get confirmation, shipping, if we need to fill out credit card forms, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, if anything comes in damaged, that percentage covers handling the damaged piece. It basically covers everything from ordering to when that item gets received and we get our, you know, received papers from our warehouse saying this item is good. Okay. I'm just doing some quick math. Okay. Um, and that does not include the markups. If right. I that's what you call them in your business, everybody right. calls it something different. That does not include markups. If they're right. ordering trade only, basically, um, you know, if it's MSRP is a thousand dollars, you're saying you're going to be getting 10% off MSRP. Right. So let's, let's go, let's, let's kind of do that as a separate thing. So I did, so the way that we structure our business is the hourly rate. Yeah. Then the percentage for ordering. Okay. We were, we were charging hourly for all of that. But when we were sending clients our invoices, they were like two pages long or three. Can you imagine if we were sending our client for the 6,000 square foot home? Yeah. The month that we did ordering, it would be like 10 pages. Yeah. You know, like it took us so long to order, like weeks to order everything and to okay. get the confirmation and to get my client, when we were doing that, my client was like, I like, you know, it was so many line items because it was 15 minutes here, 20 minutes here, 30 minutes here, an hour and a half there. Like it was ridiculous. So we just thought, you know, we played around with percentages for a while. Um, at first I had done 15% and included installs with that. Well, that was a huge mistake. Yeah. I'm like, that was a huge mistake. Okay. (laughs) Lesson lesson learned. So you know what? I'm just going to make it the ordering. And it is a risk because if we have a lot of stuff coming in damaged and we still keep track of those hours that we spend ordering. So I know, are we kind of, we're usually right at, I I don't know why it's always like that, but we're usually either right below kind of that, that mark of making sure like the amount of hours that we spend is this pretty much the same price as that percentage, or it is a little bit over. So, and we eat that cost, but it hasn't been over enough for me to adjust that percentage. And I'm sure it's like give and take between projects too, like one project you might be way under. Okay. So question on the 8%. So just for clarity of myself and people listening. So whether it's a 10 thousand dollar project i don't know do or a hundred thousand dollar project if, if i was a if i was a client and i just ordered a thousand a thousand ten a hundred thousand dollars worth of product i'm paying eight thousand dollars for you to order it is that yeah. right yeah and um nobody no issues like what's your standard budget would you say like on average for furnishing um, I mean, it just, it depends on the project. I, I like to be realistic and like, I usually say, you know, living rooms and bigger rooms, like I, it's really hard for me to do anything under $20,000. Like yeah. if we're getting everything, you know, if maybe they have a sofa that will work and a media table or whatever, then 
it's different. But if we're getting everything, I, I, it's really hard to do under 20. So I usually say between 20 and 30,000 for bigger, you know, family rooms, living rooms, big dining rooms that are yeah. like separate, you know, master bedrooms, if you need things, bedrooms, secondary rooms, like offices, playrooms, uh, guest rooms are usually in between like 10 to 15, just depending on the size and kind of the level of quality that they like and where they like to shop, you know, um, or what they need. And then, you know, kids spaces, kids spaces are usually really under because we actually do source a lot of retail stuff for kids because I can't, I, I, I have small kids, so I just can't feel good about saying, yeah, let's buy a restoration hardware or let's buy this $5,000 rug and put it in. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, like, like we put Ikea still in people's houses all the time with kids because I think it's great. So it's a mixture. So yeah, I mean, listen, for our, for our house in, um, our big client, we did lower it because we knew that they had really good taste and that there was a lot of stuff that they would be buying. But in the grand scheme of things, if you go, okay, that's, it, you know, for $100,000, $100, and that's $8,000, we, we charge $175 an hour. That's only 45 hours. You're thinking that's like a week. Yeah, totally. We, we have already spent, like for us, for that project, we will actually be losing money on ordering. Because right. lowered the percentage and when you have a client of that size, you are tracking and looking at those things every day because we literally have over 200 items that we are bringing into that house mm-hmm. or accessories. Yeah. You know, so that's just furniture pieces, lighting, shelving, chairs, whatever. Yeah. So you, you have to explain it to the client that way. And when you break it down that way, it makes sense to them. And when you explain your ordering process. So, so many people, when they order stuff, they're like, oh, you go online, we order, it takes five minutes. Well, it doesn't really work that way with us. We have to contact reps. We have to make sure our pricing is right. Then we get confirmation. Maybe it's back ordered. So now we're like, do we keep it? Do we not keep it? Do we resource? Like, yeah. you know, making sure shipping addresses are correct. Like all that kind of stuff we have to make sure. So it takes a lot longer. You know, mm-hmm. back and forth. If you're opening up with a new vendor, then you got to give them credit card information. You have to set up the account. Like, yeah, all of that stuff takes time. And so, do your clients pay with check, or do they? Do most <laughs> of your clients pay for furnishings by check or by credit card? By check. So we only get retainers. So what we'll do is we'll get retainers, and then at the end of basically, you know, when we find out all the shipping charges, that whole invoice is basically complete. We're not taking anything off all the shipping charges have been added to it. Then we take the money from their retainer. So they've given us $100,000 in retainer. We'll then start applying that to the invoices. And then if they have a balance, they give us a balance, you know, check for the balance. And then if they have money left over, we usually use it for accessories. And then they'll pay us a balance based off of that. And for those listening, I know you use Ivy, right? I do use it. Yeah. And actually, this is one thing I love about Ivy. I do the same thing as the whole get a retainer and you have the money that you're just applying to the invoices when the invoices are in the state. And it's freaking amazing. This is what I found. And this is one thing with Ivy that I don't like. 
is that before we were doing it this way, we were closing out the invoices and having the clients pay that invoice, right? So what we were doing is we were, you know, let's say for your living room, it came out to $15,365. And that's without shipping, right? Because we don't know what the shipping is until it ships. Yeah. And we don't know what the delivery fee from our warehouse is going to be. Sometimes we can get a quote, but if we're going to, you know, adding things, whatever. So before we were taking... We were built, we were turning that into an invoice and we were taking that $15,365 and we applied it to that invoice right then and there. Well, then let's say they decided they didn't want that chair. Now we're deleting that chair. Now that becomes a credit and Ivy makes it easy to keep track of that. But what Ivy doesn't do is say in the credit what that was for. I have asked them for that. Actually, I've given that feedback. annoying. So I don't like that. Me neither. So I have found that it's just easier for us to then just get these retainer checks. And then that way, when someone says, you know, like my client will say like, well, can you tell me how much we have given you so far versus what is invoice? And I can write that in there at the top of the headline of Ivy and say, this is what is invoice. And then I can go into their retainer area and say, this is what you've given me retainer wise. So we are good right now. Or I'll say, I still, I need another $20,000 or whatever. Oh, I see. So you're saying like, you're just like quickly the client says, well, I've been invoiced for 90,000. I've given a hundred. I have 10,000 left over. Like they do the mental math or you do the mental math. Yeah, we'll just send an email because it's so much easier than saying, well, we billed this $15,365, but then you have this credit of, of $648 that I can apply to then this invoice of $4,000. It's like <laughs> so confusing. I know. I'm, I'm not the greatest at math. I don't want, I, I'd rather, what I have found that is so easy is that people also, sometimes when you're doing these big houses, you're doing them in phases, right? So sometimes people will go like, okay, well, I need to get, the all the bedrooms done like right away so let's you know I mean every client is like that and I get it like you move into a house and you have 30 days and you know that's impossible for us to design and have everything in 30 days right so we say okay let's focus on the high priority areas first let's get the design out of the way let's get those things ordered so those come in and so it's easier to take the retainer when you're doing things in phases as well, because then you don't have like some invoices that are closed and some that are open. And it just becomes like, especially when you get into bigger, I have found that my process has changed as my clients have gotten bigger and bigger Mm -hmm. and bigger jobs or multiple things. And so you have to kind of be able to mold into that. And so far, this is what I have found that has been working for myself and for my clients. So I think it's really important that we just say, you know, when we do the design presentation, we have that proposal of items that we are proposing to put in their space. So they see the price. So we already have an idea that living room that we are designing for you is going to cost $25,000. And let's say, um, you know, they, we still need to do window treatments and whatever. I'm going to say, uh, and they, let's say you approved everything but we still need to do window treatments and we still need to do, let's say your dining room. Well, I'll say, give me a retainer. I'll give them a retainer for 25,000 that they'll pay. The retainer invoice will show paid. Yeah. We'll have that check to it. Or if they want to pay credit card or whatever. And then um, when that invoice then is complete with the window treatments added to it, 
and the shipping added to it, then I can say your balance is now, I uh, applied the 25,000 from the retainer. Now your balance is 10,300 and whatever, and then they'll pay the balance. But then that way there's only like one or two transactions on that invoice rather than like a million of like credits and adding things and several payments. It's like, it, it just got too much. Are you finding then basically you're not really applying any payment to those IV invoices till pretty much the end of the project when you know things have been yeah. delivered? Okay, you know what? I feel you on that pretty hard because I've had the same crap where, oh shoot, even though I ordered this fabric, now all of a sudden Robert Allen has told me that it's on back order and because of their yeah. situation right now, it's never coming back. So I have to go delete that invoice that I actually, it's a whole thing for sure. Okay. That's definitely something to think about. Um, Okay. I know you are going to have to go soon. This, like, we're going to have to do a part two. Oh, please. Can we? Oh my God. Yes. Um, 6,000 square foot home you're talking about that you've just, you're either actively working on. Was that, when it comes to a house of that size, how do you approach it? Do you, do you suggest phasing that? We did because their timeline list and they were coming from like a 1400 square foot home. They have they had nothing. So um, they are literally ha- like have mattresses. They have like their master, old master bedroom set and a couch. I said, just bring it because it's going to be months until like, you don't want to be sitting on the floor. Right. Yeah. So we did that a little bit in phases. Yeah, we did. Um, we set a design date so they are traveling a lot. And so it was like, okay, we set, we had like three days before, like by the time they got back from one trip to the time they were leaving for another trip. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll set our design meeting and I'll just try to get done as much as I can get done. Knowing that there were like four rooms that were high priority. So at least these four rooms will get done designed by them. And if I can get anything else, we can do it. I mean, there was like 20 different spaces. I mean, you know, when you count like a powder bathroom and even though you're not like sourcing, I mean, I'm sourcing like a piece of art and like maybe a rug and like yeah. sometimes the rug and stuff will come in the accessories, but like for art, usually art, lighting, all that, I still like to get approved. I don't like to bring a bunch of lamps and a bunch of pieces of art and all that, yeah. you know? So I like to get most of that approved. So even like those little things, a mud room, which was like hooks in a couple of shelves and baskets, but like still it took a couple hours to like, but made sure that it would go next, you know, well with the powder bathroom and the laundry room and whatever. So yes, we did it in phases. We did that one design meeting. And then a couple weeks later, several weeks later, we did another design meeting. I tried to get as much done. And then, um, we did, yeah, I, I mean, it probably took, we started them in February and we got done with the design, like with every room of the design, probably last week. To be honest. And, and do you quote it all at once though? Or do you, so you're like, we're going to do these four rooms to start, but we are doing the whole house. Are you saying like, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what your design fees will be for the first phase. Or do you try to give them a holistic? No, I gave them a whole, in the beginning, I gave them a scope of every single room. Okay. This, every single room. This is the, this is the estimated design hours that I think it will take me. And this is the realistic budget that these rooms need. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, and it's a kind of a wide range. So with, you know, I'll say between 20 and $35,000 for this living room, we might hit it, you know, some rooms we went a little bit over, but then other rooms we went either under or we were on the lower end. So we're still in that scope. So in that scope, I say for furniture budget, 
I, it's going to be between 130,000 to 270,000. Okay. I mean, that's a really, it's a really big gap, but I don't know really you at this point. I don't know you. Yeah. I don't know. You know, we, we haven't worked together. I don't know what stuff you really like yet. You haven't done any of your homework. This is in the dating phase of before he, we signed the contract. So it's a very wide range and we'll find where you're comfortable at. So if you, if, you know, if I, you know, did that and you go, okay, 200,000 is really where I'm comfortable with. And don't, you know, then we keep that in mind and we just let him know, okay, right now, this is where we're at. We're at 190,000, you know, and we still have two rooms and we have all the install hours and that could be, you know, all together a week worth of installs. When I was you, actually going to ask that. Okay. So it, it just gives an idea. I think clients don't necessarily mind if you go over as long as you keep them involved and you keep that communication open. Talking about money is very uncomfortable. It's not a topic that people want to do, but as a business owner, and when you're spending other people's money, you have to be, it is your responsibility as a business owner to be very careful and be very um, delicate with that because you don't know their situation. They might, you know, money might be flying out of their ears left and right, but then other clients are like saving every penny to be able to work with you and do this, you know? So there's a balance of that. And we really try to make sure that we're listening to what our clients need. And if they say, well, I only have 5,000 for this, we're really, you know, we just say we might not be the designer for you because it's going to be $5,000 in just our design fees. Yeah, totally. And do at this point, do you have like, okay, this is the minimum projects that we're looking for, minimum budgets and like, yeah. yes. Can you yeah. share what that number is? Well, it's ever changing because, you know, I just hired another employee to hopefully take on a little bit more. Okay. But I would say for right now, we don't really take any projects. Well, before it was like we had a 25 hour minimum. Okay. Now we're kind of moving into that like 35 to 50 hour minimum. Um, remodels are a little bit different. So um, yeah, we kind of gauge it, you know, if we feel like it's a good fit for us too. Like yeah. I always tell people like, it's not personal, but if, if, if it's not a style that like we have, I have really tried to curate like a style and a look for what we do. And if it's not in line with that, it doesn't mean that your style is bad, but you're not going to get the best work from me and I'm not going to enjoy it. You're not going to enjoy it. Like it's not going to be a good fit. So I might then recommend them to another designer that I feel like would be a good fit for them or just tell them like it, you know, I don't think it will work out or like we have a waiting list right now. We have an eight week waiting list. So that's a really, I mean, we start with that right away. Like, we would love to talk to you more about your project, but we cannot start anything for eight weeks. And Sometimes how many clients really, do you like to have? What? How many clients do you like to have at once? Um, I would say eight to 10 is a good number. We have 12 right now, so it's a little high. It's That's a little high right now. But I have someone coming in starting, so, and, and a lot of them are at the ending phases, so we're just yeah. like, so those are eight, okay, varying phases for sure plays a role, but it's yeah, still like they're still there, right? And it's yeah. still a yeah, they're still there. They're capacity. Still they're still taking that mental capacity. We're still talking about them. They're still, you know, taking space in our office. So yeah. yeah. Do okay. We're gonna wrap up. Um, 
maybe this hasn't happened to you. Have you ever had periods in the four years where you did, you were like, I don't know where my next clients is, is coming from, or has it been fairly consistent for you? I, it's been, it's been really consistent. I knew you were going to say It's been fairly consistent. I know. I always have that in the back of my head of like, I, you know, from the time I started now, listen, when I started, I was only doing like one or two clients, you Mm -hmm. know, and then it slowly started, you know, I think in the last three years or the last maybe two years where I was like really serious and like full time, we didn't have anything under five clients at the time. So um, I've been really, really fortunate and, but there's also been a real, a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice to get that. Yeah. You know? I've heard you like, say that in your, yeah, mentor I, mean, I am spread very thin right now. And, um, you know, I'm constantly working. I mean, this, this weekend alone, I'm, I might get like an afternoon with my family. And those are the sacrifices I'm making right now because, I want to build the business to where I can in a couple of years or whatever, or hopefully sooner, be able to step back and take a vacation and have my business run without me having me need to physically be there. You know, that's the goal right now. So I have to put in the blood, sweat, and tears. And and so, yeah, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have those clients and not have any dry spells right now, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I'm not scared that that will ever happen. So I'm not like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I'm in the, I'm in the clear now. Like, yeah, I made a name for myself here and I'm just going to keep getting clients. Like I'm still very terrified that we will not have clients that no one will, will keep emailing me. Mm -hmm. Um, we say no to a lot of stuff, but, um, I still say yes to a lot because of that too. And uh, okay, that like pull of like, how much can we really handle? What do I want to be really passionate about as far as like the clients go? Um, and, and really trying to like be able to balance more of families and relationships that I've been having to push aside right now, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I want to say, you know, very fortunately, yes, I haven't had a problem with that, but there has, with the amount of luck that I think and, you know, being blessed or whatever, there has been a lot of hard work to, to get there. Obviously, for sure. And okay, one last question. Yeah. And hopefully, we'll, so you, you do, obviously, you know, at this point, like what is worth the effort and, and, you know, a minimum project fee, like minimum hours that's involved and, you know, maybe you're getting clients. This is what's happened to me most of this year is like, I've gotten leads, but they've all been very small. And I'm like, I just know what I'm not willing to do slash they don't understand what it takes and aren't available to pay. So how quickly in the conversation do you feel you need to say, or do you say, you know, we have a minimum hour project? We, we let them know right away because, yeah. um, it's not fair for them to waste any of their energy talking to us about the project and getting excited about maybe working with us when we can't do it. Now, if I can get a few, you know, girls in here or or men or whatever that can take on smaller design roles like that, where I'm supervising, then, then I will be able to take on those smaller roles or smaller clients. Um, 
I don't want, I don't say no to those clients because, oh, I don't have time for small yeah. clients. It's just that I don't have, we have such large clients right now and they take up so much time. Mm-hmm. That it's hard for us and it's not fair to those smaller clients because they will get pushed aside. Yeah. It's just the nature of it right now. Yep. And until I get more employees and can hand those off and work side by side with someone, I just can't say yes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I feel like it's one room and it's under the minimum of hours, but she has a really good budget for furniture and her house is really cool. And I'm really inspired by it. Yeah. And it's in a different location or I can get some really good images from it. I'll probably say yes, yeah. you know, or if I just have like a connection with that client, yeah. too, you know, like I'll, I'll probably say yes. And for the most time, I never really regret those. Um, it's usually the ones I regret are usually the ones that I say yes to that was like in the beginning, I knew I was like just doing it to, because I was scared. I wasn't going to have a client, you know, when you say yes to all those clients, you are also in a way saying no to the clients that you want. That's a hundred percent how I feel. Um, it's just been a bit of a rough year for me. I've had, I've got projects that are just continuation, but I haven't signed a new project this year. Um, and I've had a bunch of leads, but they've all just been like, you know, and they've all just been kind of just lower budget and I'm not, and I know now what it takes. Like I, like in my first year, I did so much of that stuff and I ran myself dry and I didn't get paid properly. (laughs) So now I just, I will say last, was it last year? No, not last year, the year before that from July until January, we didn't get any new clients. Like it was right. And I was by myself and I was working, I had like four or five clients, but they were like finishing or like it held me through. Yeah. And at that time I was still like kind, I didn't have my nanny part-time. I didn't have any expenses. So it was fine. And then come January, it, it you know, it got to a point where I was like, okay, we're, we're getting momentum back and this and that. I will say started marketing my marketing myself and um you know I stopped doing the kind of like get the look things because I didn't want my design to be super accessible. And I feel bad saying that because I do want people and I give a lot away. You know, I do tell people where things are from or I'll tag things. I don't do it all the time because my client is literally paying me thousands of dollars for our resources. Of course. So it's not fair for me to like do the get the look thing. And I also just felt like it was not the right clientele that was coming to us. I do. I, <coughs> for me, excuse me, I really like to step out of the box. I'm trying more and more to challenge myself in design. And unfortunately, sometimes you need bigger budgets for that. You know, 100%. and I do also think that the industry is getting a little watered down with all of these e-design Havenly and these places that charge a hundred dollars for a space and you get all this product that they are basically just making money off of and they don't necessarily care about the design or their, yeah. you know, I, so I feel that's why I stopped doing e-design because I couldn't compete and I was not willing to yeah. charge five hundred dollars for a room when I was spending the exact amount of time with a local client, totally, and, and an e-design client, it's it was not worth it. So I yeah. have to remind people, hiring a designer is a luxury service. 
It's yeah. not an accessible service. And so many people, I think, feel that it is because of some of these larger companies that are coming in and watering down the industry. Totally. So I think it's just like having those conversations of like, hey, there might be a designer or a decorator that's part-time you're doing this more as a hobby and they're still really good, but they can't make it a full-time business for whatever reason. And that might be a better person Yeah, for me. I now have to take into, uh, you know, I have expenses now. Like it takes thousands of dollars a month to run this business. Yeah. So I have to make sure I have a certain amount of hours coming in. Yeah. And that means I have to have a certain amount of clients and whatever it is, you know? Yep. So it's just a different ballgame. So I think like, I don't know. I don't really know where this is going. But can I just say thank you for saying that about last year, that period where you said you didn't. That makes me feel better and optimistic, even though like I'm staying positive about it. And I'm like, you know what? Beaners verse is giving me what I need when I need it. And it's allowing me to focus on the clients I have. Or take that time to focus on, you know, button up your processes. Totally. Marketing in a different, like, take a look at how you're marketing your brand and Mm -hmm. go, okay, like, I'm going to make a switch here. Maybe I'm going to stop talking less about DIY stuff and we start talking more about, you know, vintage finds or curating looks in different places or, you know, whatever it may be. But you have to, at that point, take a look at your business and go, okay, what is that's not working right now? What are people obviously not? Like, where are they? Is it because it's just where I'm at? Is it a low economy thing of where I'm located? Is it that people are spending more on vacation right now than they are on their homes? Is it because people don't really like my process? Like, or am I charging too much? Like, find out what other designers in your area are charging. Maybe you're charging a little too much. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I don't know. So I, I kind of take a look like when we're slower, we start buttoning up things internally to make sure. it better. Absolutely. Well, I know you've got to get going. Oh, I gotta go. Oh, thank I you so much. For hours, What's I know, and we are gonna. If you're down, I'm gonna email you right after this yeah. link so you can schedule part two. Whatever you can schedule it two yeah. months yeah. over. Let's yeah. get in Let's there. Let's schedule it. I think I that would we love part two for sure. People are gonna love this podcast episode. Thank yeah, you so I much. Appreciate I appreciate you, it. All right. Bye. bye. Good luck today. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was the most killer podcast interview of all time. And I don't know what happened. Um, She was on a tight time crunch. And so normally I get my guests to, you know, tell my listeners where to find them. And I totally forgot to do that. So I'm going to tell you where to find um, Lindsay Brook Design if you're living under a rock. So Lindsay Brook Design is her business name. Um, you can search for Lindsay Brook Design on Instagram. I'm going to tell you what her website is, and it's lindsaybrookdesign.com, and it's Brook with an E on the end. And guys, we legitimately did schedule another podcast interview, so there's 100% a part two coming to this one. I'm overjoyed. Like, just everything she said was amazing. There was so much amazing stuff in there. I'm going to just milk her and talk to her as often as I can, as much as she'll allow me to talk to her. (laughs) So I'm going to work for a part three too. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. If you are not following my journey on Facebook, I invite you to Business Homies, the Facebook group. I am in the middle of trying to think of a new name for this podcast and my group. Um, I want it to still remain quirky and, and cute, but 
I want something that feels a little bit more serious and less like something I'm embarrassed to say out loud. <laughs> so anyway, um, go check it out. And obviously, as per usual, please subscribe to the podcast. Please leave me a review. Even if you just leave a five-star review and you don't even say anything, that's good too. Um, but it does help the podcast get found. It also helps me be able to get really good um, designers. Like the more reviews I have, the more likely a designer is going to actually want to chat with me because they're going to think there's tons of listeners. So that would be amazing. Anyways, guys, that's all I got for you now. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. All right, guys, I'm here to, okay, wait, before we go. Okay. Stupid question. Borchard? Yeah. Borchard. Oh my God. I was so... <laughs> I know, people, like, people like to get really fancy with it and it's like orchard with a B in front. It's funny because yeah. people do that with my name. It also, they'll say, how do you pronounce your last name? I'm like, Bennett. And they're like, oh, Bennett. I'm like, nope, Bennett. <laughs> like I just told you. Anyway, okay.